Welcome to Way Family Church. You're listening to our sermon podcast. Way Family Church is a new church plant in Tucson, Arizona. We welcome you to join us every Sunday morning at 1030 for worship, the word, and fellowship. If you'd like more information, visit us online at wayfamily.church. Today's a special day because we started a new sermon series. And I'm excited about this sermon series, this book in Ecclesiastes, in fact. Um, I'll tell you one thing. I found myself uh, doing exactly what this book warned about. It's like too much knowledge, too much learning. For what? For what? For what? There's so much depth to this path, these passages here that sometimes you end up wondering, what? There's, there's too much information. What am I going to say? And it's, it's hard to, to, to simplify it, to turn it down a little bit, right, so that we can have something easy to consume. But I think that we've landed on something here. And here's the fact of the matter. I think the main passage or the main phrase, the main uh, message of this entire book is everything is meaningless without Jesus. Everything is meaningless without Jesus. Now, I'd say that this title or phrase is quite pessimistic until you say without Jesus, right? And I think that a lot of us would agree, yeah, I can, I can kind of go with that. I can flow with that. That makes sense. Again, I think that this is essentially the theme of this book. This book, Ecclesiastes, is wisdom literature. Wise sayings from the wisest man that ever lived, King Solomon, the son of David. He expressed a deep thought to one of the greatest questions mankind has ever asked. And I know that you've probably asked it yourself. What's the point of all of this? What is the meaning of all of this? Yes, we are often caught in this cyclical just lifestyle the degree where it's like, wait a minute, again, again, coming back around to this again, what is the point? What is the meaning of all of this? Why does life sometimes seem so useless and mundane? Yes, we've asked that before. We've all been there. Now, again, I'm sure that most of us have wondered that. Perhaps we're even wondering that today. If that's the case, I think that the Lord has something to encourage us with today. But... I think that especially the American lifestyle seems to be this way. You know, we've heard it been, been described as the rat race. We get up, brush our teeth, take a shower, get dressed, go to work. Oh, lunch break, if you remember it, right? And then go back, do it all over again the next day. For what? So that you can do it again the next day. For what? So that you can do it again the next day, and so on and so forth. And it becomes routine. The cyclical life thing. And I, I think, in my opinion, this book of Ecclesiastes best expresses who we are as an American culture. This really hits home as an American, as someone who has that sort of lifestyle. And I feel that this is not only relevant to us today, this, this message here from the great and wise Solomon, but it's as if he wrote it for us. How cool is that? So you see, Solomon, let me tell you about him a little bit. Being blessed with much. This was the wisest man that ever walked the face of the earth. This is probably one of the richest men that ever experienced wealth and prosperity and all that stuff. He was blessed beyond measure. He had wisdom. He had wealth, status, popularity, fame, glory, family, love, purpose, and more. Still to fall to the pressures of the earth, to the pressures of this world. So that's interesting because it begs the question, wait, so none of those things are fulfilling? No. In fact, he says they're useless. 
And we'll talk more about that word useless there, meaningless. So we go to 1 Kings, which is not, we're just there as a, as a little bit of insight. 1 Kings chapter 11, we read that the great and famous King Solomon turned from the Lord. This guy who has had so much wisdom, he actually turned from God toward women. Lots of women. That seemed to be his weak point. He disobeyed God and he married a bunch of princesses. Literally princesses, not divas, but princesses. In fact, 700 of them. This was his thing. And then on top of that, he had 300 concubines. And they all, they all turned his heart away from the Lord. This is Solomon, the man who had it all. Solomon became polytheistic, meaning he worshipped many gods as his wives did. He was chasing after the things that they wanted. He forgot the Lord. In fact, the Bible tells us that in all his wisdom, Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. This, this is who we're reading from, Ecclesiastes. This is interesting. Now, it's also encouraging because I've slipped up here and there. My life is not perfect. You know, with all the wisdom that the Lord has blessed me with, which is very little compared to what Solomon had, I've made a few share of mistakes. And so I'm encouraged that the Lord would still use someone who's made mistakes to instruct people to, to grow, to learn from. Now, scholars speculate that although I know we can't know this for sure, that Solomon shared this wisdom found in the book of Ecclesiastes in his later days as he grew older. And this sounds a lot like an older Solomon as you read this. This sounds a lot as a man who's been there, done that, and is sharing the wisdom that he's accumulated from experiences, from understanding from the Lord, really. This is an aged man, uh, maybe an older, more experienced and repentant Solomon who contemplated his mistakes and he learned many lessons and now he imparts this wisdom to us. This is what it, we seem to be having in front of us and his conclusion, it's precisely the title of this message, everything is meaningless unless you have the Lord. Everything is useless, pointless, empty, like a vapor. In fact, the word is hevel, unless you have the Lord, unless you have Jesus. Now, before we get into reading the passage, you'll note that there's two voices in here. There's the author or the narrator, and then there's the preacher, the teacher. And it's very interesting the way that this has been written out, but it's two voices. Now, the preacher being Solomon, the teacher, is his wisdom. He's very clearly described. But I don't know who this author is. I don't know who this other person It could be Solomon himself just kind of being creative in his literature, right? But nevertheless, we have these two voices. We have the author or the narrator, and then we have the teacher, the preacher. <clears throat> so the book opens up and closes with the narrator, the author. So that's the first thing we'll see here. Now let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 1. We'll read it together, follow along with me. And it says this, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. 
Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits, the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new. It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. And it is an unhappy business that, the, that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has been great, has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I implied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this also is but a striving after the wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Wow. Sounds deep, doesn't it? A lot of insight here. We'll break it down. But first, let's close our eyes and just come to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, as we begin to study this, we ask for your insight. We ask for just the ability to understand this. And Lord, that we would be grown from this, challenged, Father, and encouraged. Thank you for your word today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's begin with verse 1. It's a good place to start. The opening remarks of the author who introduces the preacher. He says, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. That word preacher is pretty important. In the Hebrew, the original Hebrew, it's koheleth. Can you say that? Koheleth. This is a title for someone who addresses the assembly. Koheleth, the word for koheleth is also uh, similar or actually part of the word for assembly. So the koheleth is the person who addresses the gathering of people, the assembly. The Greek translation of the Hebrew word koheleth is ekklesiastes. Have you ever seen my big fat Greek wedding? He says every word roots from the Greek. So koheleth, we got ecclesiastes. From ecclesiastes, we have ecclesiastes. There you go. Now you understand what the word ecclesiastes means. It essentially means the preacher's sermon. Got it? The teachings of this wise teacher. Now, in verse 2, the preacher says, all is vanity. Do you see that? He says, vanity of vanity, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Now, I'll tell you one. What, what, when I first read this, I think, this is quite a bummer. Like, what an opening statement. Well, this is important. Vanity, that word, is hevel in the, in the Hebrew. Hevel. Now, what is hevel? This is, this, is, this is actually a word that's really hard to translate into the English, and so we have different words. You've already heard me say Vanity, vain, empty, meaningless, void. What hevel actually means is it's a vapor. It's a breath. 
It's smoke, if you would. I don't know if you've seen that movie, Cool Runnings. But the Jamaicans are invited to go to the Winter Olympics and they step out into Russia for the first time out of the airport and they see their breath for the first time because it's cold. They've never experienced this before. And the one guy says, hey, what you smoking, man? He's like, I'm not smoking, I'm breathing. That is Hevel. You, hear, you see that? Hence the vapor there. That's Hevel. You know, we have a home fellowship Wednesday nights in my house. And my wife likes to run an oil diffuser, and you've seen those, they have a little vapor that comes out, a little, little bit, bit of a, a steam. Is this steam? Is it vapor? A mist, there you go. And, and then Finley was at the house the other day, he asked me for a plastic cup. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna capture this mist. He's going to harness it, and he's gonna contain it. I remember him going, he was right in front of it, trying to catch it, and it was quite amusing. It was entertainment, it, for me at least, I think for him too. But you can't, and that's the thing. You cannot harness Hevel. You cannot contain it. You cannot have a grasp on it. It is something ungraspable. You see it, it's there, but you cannot get a hold of it. Efforts towards attaining Hevel are pointless. They're worthless. They're frustratingly unsatisfactory. Hevel. In fact, when I try to sound smart, I'll say, Hevel. This is all Hevel. This is a good word for us to learn, right? It's just vain. That's what that word means, a vanity, empty, useless, meaningless. And he's saying everything's meaningless. The preacher doesn't just say that all is vanity. He's saying it's the vanity of vanities, Hevel of Hevels. Now, this is the superlative form, meaning that this is as meaningless meaningless as it gets. It's not just meaningless, it's very meaningless. I'll give you another example or a couple of other examples of superlatives like the Holy of Holies. It's not just a holy space or a holy place, it is the most holy place, right? Or the Song of Solomon's. It's, this is the song that Solomon wrote, right? This is the one, the, the most important, the, it, more than the normal. And he says, vanity of vanities, hevel of hevels. Everything is hevel. Now, the word for vanity, hevel, is used over and over again as we'll read this passage or this book, and and it expresses the idea that life is vain, life is empty, life is meaningless. So when you think of that word, when you read that word, word vanity or vain, just think of hevel, that ungraspable vapor, that smoke, that you just can't grab it. Now, I think that's a pretty good foundation for us to get started in understanding Ecclesiastes is a little bit better, so we'll go on to the first point that the preacher makes. And I think it's that our activity is pointless. That's what he's saying. It's vain. Everything that we do here is pointless, but there's more to it. Look at verse 3. Solomon begins with a question. He says, what does man gain by all the toil or all the efforts at which he toils under the sun? This is a good question, don't you think? He's saying, What do you gain or profit from all your hard work? How many of you guys work hard? Wow, okay. Nobody here works hard. (laughs) What do you gain from all of that? Again, it's something that you do over and over again to no avail, right? You just have to keep doing it. What do you gain from all this hard work? Work is hard. Genesis 3 is is, is what what gives us insight as far as why work is so burdensome. But it is also a blessing. But here's the thing. It's only a blessing because the Lord blesses it. And see, now you're adding the Lord into the picture. 
But what, what Solomon's saying here is everything is vain, is meaningless under the sun. And that word under the sun is actually a very, or the phrase under the sun is very key. It's important for us to understand. This is of uber importance. You have to make sure that you understand this. Otherwise, you're going to probably misinterpret the message here. The phrase used under the sun, we see over 30 times in this book as well. And it means something. Under the sun is a phrase that is to look at the question of meaning from an earthly perspective. This is separating the Lord from everything. He's saying everything is hevel. Everything is vain under the sun. The Lord aside. So if you remove the, 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 the Lord out of the picture, then you, all you have is this natural world. This is what Solomon is alluding to. Now everything is meaningless. Now we can probably all agree. Yeah, you're right. If you remove God out of the picture, if we have this atheistic perception of what the world is and everything that we do here, meaning is lost. It becomes hevel. We're chasing after nothing. It's not looking beyond the natural world, the under the sun expression, as if this is all there is, this natural world, as if there's no God, no afterlife, and no final judgment. If this is the case, would you agree? Hevel, hevel of hevels. This is what Solomon is saying. And so if you limit your understanding to the natural world only, that which is under the sun, and you're not considering he who is above us, then we're living in vain. There's no purpose in life. I don't know if you've seen any arguments between Christians or believers and atheists. That's the biggest thing. Really, what's the purpose? If we're stardust, what does is, what is our life matter? Morality, does it matter? All of those things, those questions, everything that's meaningful comes from the Lord. And there's really no way around it. You can try to argue for it, for just a naturalistic worldview and purpose, but to the, at the bottom of, of, of the line, it points back to the Lord, to something transcendent, something supernatural, something bigger, something larger than us. Verse 4, 3, 11 now. This is the preacher essentially saying that everything on this side of heaven, again, the natural world is a repetitive cycle, and we gain nothing from all of our activity. 4 says, a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. You and I, my friends, we come and go. In fact, lately our congregation has experienced a lot of death, right? It's, it's just a reminder that the, this life is so temporary compared to eternity. In fact, the earth here, it just remains. Who can move those mountains, right? It just, again, under the sun, removing the Lord from the picture, it's like, whoa, you're right, then what, what, am, I, what am I good for? I'm just going to leave here soon. Verse uh, 5 through 8 says, the sun rises and the sun goes down and it hastens to the place where it rises again. The wind blows to the south and goes back around to the north. Around around it goes the wind on all its circuits just returns. All the streams run into the sea, but the sea is not full to the place where the streams flow. They will go again. Again, it's about the fact that we often hustle and bustle in the natural life just to do it over and over again, like the water cycle, right? And there's the... Uh, um, collection where is where the water is i'm getting science right science lesson right now then after that you have evaporation then after that you have condensation oh i sound so smart and then after that you have precipitation and then you have back to the oceanation because i don't remember that word i think it's just called surface runoff what's that 
there's saturation, and then back to collection, right? And it just goes over and over and over again. And the fact of the matter is that water is and has been, and there's no, no more of it. Isn't that interesting? It's just cycling over and over. That's, that's the picture that this wise person's giving, that Solomon's giving, is, is nothing is new, nothing is, is, is fresh here. And as he actually goes on to say that. Uh, when it comes to the physical world, you're just, you're just never going to be satisfied. You're just going to go round and round and round again. I can't get no satisfaction. I'm feeling a little poorly today, I guess. <laughs> when, you know, like we often feel like we're in constant need of something. We often need like, man, we need something new. But the scripture tells us here, what has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there's nothing new under the sun. What is here is here, and there's nothing new. And you know, I think we tend to think that our problems are unique very many times, and we think, man, no one will ever understand me. You know, well, it's fresh to you. You've never experienced that. But I challenge you, have a conversation with someone else. Maybe share these struggles with someone older than you, and you'll realize, oh, they've been there, done that. This is truly nothing new. You know, we're, we're the kind of people that we, we are, we're just constantly craving for something new. This is why they publish the paper weekly or daily. And in fact, now we have YouTube and we have social media. It's constantly something new because this is what the people crave. This is what the world craves. But the fact of the matter is the same old news over and over again. There's literally nothing new under the sun apart from the Lord. Everything that comes is forgettable. It just, it really truly doesn't mean anything at the end of time. It's just something forgettable. So even the unforgettable becomes forgotten. Now, let me give you an example of something that has been forgotten. <clears throat> I can't. I forgot. It's been forgotten, right? But I do still remember our family VHS race car uh, rewinder. Did anyone ever have those? For those of you who had it, you have this fond memory of this VHS race car rewinder. And I used to love putting the VHS cassettes there you know, my kids will never know what that is. I will be able to show them a picture of what that is, but that'll never be a memory for them. That's going to be something totally forgotten here soon. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't matter. And the fact of the matter is we get new technologies, and then that fades away. And then new technology, and that, that fades away. I can never even keep up with the latest cell phone anymore. You know what I mean? All these things come and go, and what are they? They're the same thing anyway. It's just entertainment, it's just information, it's just this and that. It's, it's, there's literally nothing new under the sun, and we're constantly striving to have something new, something different, but it's nothing different. It's all the same thing. And so I think what the first point that Solomon's making here is that at the end of the day, our activity is pointless. Uh, the things that we strive for is pointless, meaningless, hevel, something that we can never actually land on or achieve. Now, the next thing Solomon goes to express is that everything is pointless without God. Remember, God aside of the picture. If you remove God from everything, then nothing satisfies. Nothing in this world satisfies. That's the second point. Nothing satisfies. The preacher, Solomon, moves from what he's observed in, his, in the natural world to what he has now personally experienced. I think that's always helpful to have personal insight from people They're based on their experience. And so he gets personal and he says in verse 12 through 18, he says, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I've applied my heart to seek and to search out wisdom, all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. 
I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is hevel, vanity. All is just a striving after the wind. He's like, I've had much experience. I have had much. The Lord's blessed me with much here under the sun. Remember? Lord aside. If you, if you omit the Lord from any, all of that, everything just means nothing. This is what he's saying. This is the man who has it all. <clears throat> he says, an unhappy business that the Lord has given us. Now, this is a reference to Genesis chapter 3, a consequence of the fall that, w- that man's toil would be burdensome. Now, again, if you remove the Lord from the picture in that situation, that's a bummer, bro. Like, we have to work, and that's going to be burdensome. But if you bring the Lord into the picture, if you remember your Creator, if you actually acknowledge the Creator, not just the creation, then there's a blessing from that toil. Then there's something to enjoy out of it. It's no longer meaningless. And this is what Solomon's saying is, don't remove him, because all you have is nothing otherwise. Nothing. You're just kind of a hamster in the wheel. You're going round and round and round and round, and you're getting nowhere. And what an unhappy business. Paul also alludes to this unhappy business in Romans 8, 18 through 21. He says, for I consider that the sufferings of the present, that's an unhappy business, our time of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Awesome. In other words, useless. This is useless unless the Lord frees us from the bondage and corruption of the, of the world that the world is under. It is an unhappy business. That's the bottom line. Life will be vain. And then verse 15 says, what is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counting, uh, counted, excuse me, that is, without God. Because God is the only one who's, who, who can restore. God is the only one who can satisfy our ultimately need. If you remove him, there's no healing. There's no restoration. There's, there's no recovery of anything, right? There's nothing new. <laughs> there's no, no life. So no matter how smart or experienced you become, as far as we can see here from Solomon's experience, your striving is pointless until you look beyond the sun, until you get your head out of only under the sun, right? Once you look above there, once you look towards the creator and not limit yourself towards the creation, chasing after those things that are the created things, then you're just living in vain. It's a vanity. But once you look above there, the one who created all things, then you have satisfaction, then there's fulfillment, then there's something that is attainable and graspable. Nothing in this repetitive natural world can satisfy only Christ can. Amen? You understand that? It's important for us because we sometimes forget this. We get blinded. We put our blinders on. Matt was just telling me a story that of something that happened uh, yesterday. He was riding his bicycle so fast, he's trying to become aerodynamic that he wasn't looking ahead. Thanks be to God for his friend Alan who says, hey, look up. There's a sharp turn ahead, right? We do that often. You got to be careful what you share with me because it might end up in a sermon. <clears throat> yeah, very quick. It's fresh off the press. We have to look above. We have to look up. Jesus says in John 4, 13 through 14, as he's speaking to the woman in the well, 
Everyone who drinks of this water, this natural water, he says, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Oh, in other words, what's here doesn't satisfy, but what comes from above does forever and eternity. Now, the whole purpose of these descriptions of emptiness and vanity, hevel, is to drive us to Christ. This is not to be this discouraging. If I stop here, and in and, and this chapters of uh, uh, the first chapter of Ecclesiastes, it says, For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Man, that would be a bummer if I stopped there, right? Because it's not the end of the teaching. And so what I would like to do is I'd like to fast forward a little bit and go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12 to, to bring in the closing point here. Because again, these descriptions of emptiness, they're, they're not meant to discourage us. They're meant to encourage us to look above that which is under the sun. We cannot properly understand the heart and the message of the preacher without looking at its conclusion, at the conclusion of the teaching here. All right, so let's look at that. You see, everything is vain. Everything is pointless. Everything is meaningless under the sun because it's not the, it's not the creator. It's simply the creation. Here's the thing, though. In chapter 12, we'll see that the emptiness of life drives us to Christ, to the Lord. When we realize, oh, there's nothing here. Ha, <laughs> there's got to be something more. I mean, I think, I think maybe all of us have experienced that, where we've come to the conclusion there's, there's more to this mundane life. And so that's actually the preacher's conclusion. So I want to take you to chapter 12, verse uh, 9. In verse 8, he says, Hevel of Hevel, says the preacher. All is Hevel. But then he says, besides being wise, the pre the, this is the narrative now. He says, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. Now, in his pursuit of satisfaction in this natural world, Solomon found the truth because the truth stands always. Remember who he felt to be? He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He's trying to find things to kind of cover up the sin. We do often do that. We think we're in the wrong, and so we kind of brush it up so it's like acceptable. But the fact of the matter is that truth will always convict us. Truth will always stand. Truth will always point us to Jesus, but Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you want truth, you'll run face to face with Christ. So all of this points us to something greater, to Jesus. Now, the truth stands again, and it is Jesus. And look at this messianic description here that we find here, the one shepherd. He says here in verse 11, the words of the wise are like goads and like nails firmly fixed on the collecting sayings. Do you guys know what goads and nails firmly fixed on them is? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a rod with nails and sharp nails in it, and it's used to kind of poke the cattle along. You know, it's painful. They don't like it, but it gets them through the rivers. It gets them through the patches that they don't want to get through, you know, and today we still have goads. In fact, I, I, I looked it up, and you can buy some on Amazon. They're they're poles with two electric prongs. It's like a taser for, for cattle. You know, that's what he's saying. Like, words of truth are like that. Sometimes we don't like it. Sometimes we get poked by it and we think, ow, I don't like that. But they're good for us. When the shepherd, the good shepherd is holding that, it leads us to a place where we need to be. This is it. And it leads us to himself. These are fixed collecting saints. They are given by one shepherd. This is the Messiah that he's alluding to. 
This is Jesus. So without Christ, there's nothing. He says, my son, beware of anything beyond these. These what? These words of truth. There's a lot of information out there. There's going to be a lot of stuff that you could read. There's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to try to persuade you otherwise. He says, beware of everything that is not truth. Of making many books, there is no end. And of much study, there's a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, here it is, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. What is he saying here? This is the whole purpose. This is the whole meaning. This is the point. Also, that there is meaning. Yeah, if you fear God and you keep his commands, there's true purpose. There's true meaning. There's everything that we need in this world no longer becomes vain, but rather fulfilling. But here's the thing. Look at this last this verse. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Hmm. Let's think about that a little bit. Death will claim you. Death is coming. We've seen that. Life here, physical life, ends. There will be a judgment. And you will either face it in isolation from Christ, and you will be disapproved, or you will face it with Christ, and his righteousness will be counted to you, and you will be approved. That's the end. There's no in between. Either, either with him or against him. That's what the Bible tells us. It's, well done, my good and faithful servant, or depart from me, I never knew you. That's the end of the matter. We will face the judgment, and I think, again, here's the point of all this, death will claim us. I mean, we've already seen that in our personal lives. We've experienced that. Death will come, as it did to Adam, as it did to Eve, Cain, Abel, as it did to Noah, as it did to Moses, as it did to all the greats in scriptures, as it did to David, the great and mighty warrior David, and his son Solomon, and everyone else in days past. But in a world full of graves, if you think about what the earth is, from dust to dust, it is literally a world full of graves. Here's the good news. There is one that is empty. There is one grave that is empty. There is one man whom death could not contain because he is the author of life itself. Jesus is not bound by the curse of death, my friends either spiritually or physically. He is alive, he's living, and he's strong and well. And he graciously extends salvation, that gift of salvation to his beloved. He is out there and he is constantly just pumping fresh renewal, encouragement, and life into us, the author of life himself. He is the only one who can free us from this mundane cycle of vanity, of emptiness, until we have him, we have nothing. Without him, everything that you are and do is pointless. But in him, there's great purpose. There's meaning. There's life in abundance and for eternity. Never ending. So again, I'm going to go back to that, that verse uh, in, in 13. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole purpose of man. Amen? So let me ask you this. Are you currently living as if there's no purpose to your life? There is. Let's have a conversation about that. I like to point you to the source of purpose, you know? And so let's do that. You, if, you, if you want, fill out a connect card and says, hey, I need to learn more about this because I feel like I'm kind of just running the rat race as well. I feel like there's no purpose, no meaning. 
You know, it says, fear God and, his, and, and follow his commandments. His commandments are clear. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have to know what he's calling us to do. And when we behave or when we, when we put ourselves into that mission, that purpose, then there's fulfillment in life. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Father, we ask that you would uh, help us retain this, Lord Jesus, that our heads would not be constantly facing down, Lord, but that we would look up and recognize you for who you are, glory, your purpose, Father, the meaning of this all. We thank you for your word and the wisdom that we find in it. We pray for those who are currently struggling with the redundance, Lord, of this cyclical life. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do something amazing where uh, we're just fulfilled, where that, that frustratingly ungraspable vanity of life comes to an end and we, and we get to the place where we grasp you and we know you and we're fulfilled, filled by you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this beautiful time to be with you. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.